You are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Welcome to the next episode of Ideas and Leaders podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Carl Gould. He's a business growth expert, author, and serial entrepreneur. And I'm very excited to speak uh, with him today about entrepreneurship and how to, how to grow your business. Very exciting topics for our listeners always. Hi, Carl. It's great to have you on Ideas and Leaders. Well, thank you for having me. So, Carl, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself in the beginning, uh, especially I'm interested in your story. How, how did you get to become a business growth expert? Well, thank you. The, uh, you know, it happened by accident, really. I was going to college for uh, going to university for accounting and finance, and I had a terrible leg injury my second year, and I had to leave school. And um, I, you know, I was forced to earn money. Uh, I, I did not. I was paying my way through college, and I didn't know any other way that I was going to be able to pull it off. So I went back to the work that I knew the best, which was construction work. And so I started a, a landscape design and uh, installation contracting. Firm. And that was my first foray, my first, you know, uh, introduction into the entrepreneurial world. And so that's what got me started. I, I had that business for seven years. I doubled it every year for seven years, and then I sold it. Started a construction real estate development uh, company. And uh, I grew that business and owned that business for another 10 years. Uh, but all the while, I had found my passion, which was coaching. And so I, uh, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar, and I really fell in love with the idea of helping people find their passion, design their dreams, go for it, build the business or the life that they always wanted. And uh, so that was really exciting for me. So I did that as a, as a side hustle all through the 1990s. When nobody was coaching, when no one knew what it was, and it wasn't even really happening all that much. And then um, I decided I wanted to do that full time in 2002. And so uh, that, so the business I have today, that was the business that I started in 2002. Wow, great. So it was a Tony Robbins seminar it was your breakthrough moment that changed it all. It was one of the things that really got me thinking about, okay, you know, what do I want my career to be about? How do I want to serve people? And so it really got me thinking from that standpoint. Yes, yes. And it is it is very important. I think that many entrepreneurs, they don't start with this. What do I want to do? How do I want to feel about my business? What is my vision? Right. And they right. get stuck in some some businesses that maybe they don't like and they, they don't want to do so, Carl, I wanted to ask about your perspective. You're working with, with so many businesses, so many entrepreneurs. What are the main differences between good entrepreneurs, those that actually succeed and double their incomes, and uh, those which fail after sometimes or maybe not doing so good? Yeah, so the you really, there's a big debate about should you do your passion, right? Pursue your passion because you got to love what you do. And I believe that you need to like what you do enough 
in order to, to push through the hard times. And so I don't think that just because you have a passion for surfing that you have to open a surf shop, shop or because you love gardening that you should open a garden center or you love writing and journaling so you should become an author. You know, we tend to be good at what we like and we tend to like what we're good at. So pick something that you're good at, good enough at, and you like it enough because any business will get super hard at a few a few different points. And when you're starting a business, one of the very first um, milestones is about $250,000 worth of revenue. So if you're an accountant, attorney, the, the coach, or you know do any sort of professional services, or you're an auto mechanic, or you have a small business, if you get to two hundred and fifty to $300,000, that means you have, you know what you're selling, you know who you're selling it to, you have a pretty good idea of what your business is. In other words, you have executed a strategy, a go-to-market strategy, and you know what your proof of concept is. I know who my customer is. I know what my product is. I know what my price is. Now, once you've hit that 250000 or so mark, you have to say, well, you have to decide how big do I want this? And there's a very clear defining level at $1 million of annual revenue. 96% of all businesses will not make it to a million dollars in revenue or more. 96%. Only 4% will ever make it to 1 million or above. And the difference between the $250,000 entrepreneur and the million dollar entrepreneur is commitment and the willingness to really push through, okay? And so, so what I what I see in entrepreneurs in the beginning is, do they fully understand that when you start a business, you are as much in the marketing business and sales business as you are anything else? So no matter what you sell, if you if you have a a small retail shop on the corner, you're still in the marketing and sales business because, and that has nothing to do with what you're selling. Right. So if you love surfing and you have a surf shop, right, you are as much in the sales and marketing business as you are the surfing business. And so your job is to go out and get as many clients as possible so your business can be sustainable. And that million dollar mark makes or breaks a lot of businesses. Because that if you hit a million in just about any business, you've really committed to the sales and marketing side of your company. Yeah, yeah. So this commitment is also very important in the beginning. We need to we need to like what we do, at least like what we do. You gotta like it enough. You gotta yes. like it enough. Like it enough. It doesn't have to be our number one passion because we will not only do this thing, right? We'll do sales, we'll do marketing and, and many other things, accounting and so on. And we need to have this strategy in the very beginning know the product know the price and know our customer for 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 the very beginning and uh, you you mentioned commitment i think that now there are two schools that where one says that you need to have full commitment hustle all the time work 24/7 and and go all in and then there is another school which says that take it easy 
meditate, you know, spend less time on work and then uh, work less on Fridays. So what what do you think is actually true? Well, I could tell you my experience and my experience is, is that, you know, we've worked with a few hundred thousand entrepreneurs at this point. And if you have a business, you can do as much of your business as you want. And the people who say, you know, work to live, meaning have work-life balance and, and work a schedule that's fine with you, that's cool. You can do that, right? And, and if you and, – and what they're talking about is that's kind of the, the, the gig or the project-based or the freelancer where you determine what your life – you, how much work you want to do and how much money you want to make. And that's fine. Um, understand, though, you're in a place of self-employment where if you stop, the whole business stops. So that's fine if you say, I'm not going to work on Fridays and I'm not going to work on Mondays and I'm going to take time and I'm going to do this and that. But just understand that you are the business. You don't really have a business. You're self-employed. And that just means you work for yourself. But you are, you are an employee of your own and you are the boss and the employee. So – when it comes to that, what I can tell you is that is a recipe for somebody who's really tired, really exhausted over time because that type of work is relentless. So if I say – if I so let's play it out. I say to myself, you know what? I'm just going to work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, okay? So I'm going to get enough clients that I'm going to work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. At some point, those clients end I've got to go find new clients. So what am I always doing? I'm always having to jump back into marketing and selling, and then I get, and then I stop that, and then I do clients, and then I fulfill the clients, and then the clients go down, then the marketing and sales goes up, and then I'm marketing and selling. I've got clients, so that goes down, and then and then the 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 fulfillment goes up. You can do it, right? You can absolutely do that. You're not creating a sustainable system. You know, and what I see most entrepreneurs doing is I see that being their retirement business, but not the business that they are using to, you know, uh, build their life and their family and their wealth and all that. So you can do it absolutely, right? But what I have seen work is is that you work 100%, go all out until you get the business to where you want it. Then if you want to pull back, you pull back. But if you if you just put 50% effort and 50% of your time into establish the business, you're going to get 50% of the results. You're not going to get 100. And, I, and what I mean by that is if you want to work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and not Monday, Friday, you start the business as if you are going to work all five days. But then when you fill your calendar and you have a full pipeline of prospects so that you can work three days, but you have a pipeline that you can replenish when one of those client projects ends, then you're in good shape. That's the part that I like. If you go, so if you imagine, you know, working a business half time is like me, you and I running a race at the Olympics. And I say, well, you know, I, I don't need to win the gold. I'll win the one in the middle. I'll win the silver. So I'll run half as fast, right? I'll cross the line last. See what I mean? I've got to run all out. I want to get my result. 
until I get my result and then I can slow down. But if I, but it's hard to pace yourself in business. You could pace yourself in a job. It's hard to pace yourself in business. Yeah, yeah. So how to balance? I, I'm sure that you have clients that have issues with sales, for example, or marketing. And uh, mainly people know their main product or service and they're good at it. But sometimes we have some issues with sales, with marketing. We don't want to do this or maybe we want to delegate. So how, uh, what do you recommend to entrepreneurs, especially th those who are just starting and don't have all of those processes automated, how to balance and make it work in the beginning? Yeah, it's hard. Um, you In the beginning, you are the CEO, yeah. right? Now, the CEO stands for the chief of everything officer. <laughs> you do it all. That's what, that's what it means to be in your own business. You, you don't have much of a choice. If you're, not will, if you're not willing to market yourself and promote your business, sell as well as do the fulfillment in the beginning when you don't have any money, you're not going to make it in business. However, if you are willing to do those things, and remember what I said earlier, go at it 100% until you get a full pipeline and you have plenty of clients. Because if you do that, you will build the systems you can build your business to the point where you can add on staff who can handle those who can handle those um, tasks for you. So if you're going to be a business that's say under five hundred uh, under two hundred and fifty thousand, you're doing everything yourself. You might have an assistant, but for the most part, you're doing everything yourself. What you might need to do is you might need to build the business up to a certain size, five hundred, seven hundred, a million or above, so you can put people in place so you can delegate. Those tasks that you don't like to a staff member that loves doing that. So the two positions, I would encourage people to grow their business to the point that they can afford is somebody who could do their bookkeeping, number one. And number two is an assistant who can handle their administrative tasks. Those are worth their weight in gold because those two people will give you your life back. So you can focus on the parts of your business that you enjoy doing and that you have time to do and that you want or, or you're at least willing to do, even if you don't want to do them, you're at least willing to do them, right? And so if you, if you stay small enough, you will be stuck doing those jobs. If you get over a certain amount, now there's, there's, there's enough profit dollars to allocate to a support team. Yeah, yeah. So bookkeeping and administrative tasks are the, the first ones to to delegate and then of course we have marketing and sales the the big tasks that uh, we we also want to automate and uh, not not do this uh, all the time so when when is the right time to actually build those teams well um you would want to do it as early as possible so if you if you're starting your business and you say well, I've saved up some money. I've saved up $50,000 or $25,000, and I'm going to start my company now. I'm going to go out and I'm going to market, but I want to be able to focus on marketing and selling. So with that $25,000, I'm going to hire a virtual assistant, right? And that virtual assistant, maybe I pay, oh, I don't know, $1,000 a month. And that person's job is to handle my calendar and, and you know, the, sending out proposals 
and answering emails and those sorts of things. And then I, I find an outsourced bookkeeping service and maybe they charge me, I don't know, $500 a month, even though there's not a lot of books to be keeping, <laughs> we, we, we have them, we have them ready. And so I've committed say $1,500 per month. Um, and now I can go out and focus on selling my services. That's one way to go. The other way to go is I don't have a savings. I've just got to start. Well, then you're going to have to do the work and get a couple of clients and take those first couple of clients or projects and take that money and put it towards those two hires. So either you tap into your savings a little bit now and invest in the future, or you get a couple of clients and then you start to make those hires as soon as possible. Don't wait. As soon as you can afford them, you want to hire them because they are going to release your time away from administrative tasks and accounting tasks, and you can get to growing the business and fulfilling the orders. Yeah. And uh, Carl, I also wanted to ask you about the pricing. Uh, I think that in the beginning, very often we underprice our products and services, and we kind of fall into this trap uh, and we don't know we don't know how to get out of it. So, what do you recommend? Uh, do you recommend raising prices step by step or establishing in the very beginning? So, what is what is your strategy? Okay, so everybody, hit the record button. I'm going to give you your script so you don't underprice yourself when you first start. Right? When you first start your business, a lot of people think I have to discount my pricing to establish my name. Right, and that might have been a strategy 30 or 40 years ago before the internet and social media and all that. But you don't need to do that anymore. Right, so here's what you say: when you start your business, the the script you use is, I am available to the market in a way that I have never been available before. You could not hire me for this work in the past because I worked for a corporation or another company or that sort of thing. But I am now available to the marketplace in a way that I was never before in the past. Could you imagine, could you imagine Oprah Winfrey announcing that she was going to do a mentoring program, but her saying, well, you know, I've never done a mentoring program, so I'm going to discount it until you all trust me enough to then pay me my full price. Could you imagine that? Yeah, never. No. Never in a million years. She would say, you know, you know, guys, I've been busy with my television show for years. I've always dreamed of mentoring others. It's a passion of mine. I am now making myself available to the market in a way I've never been, been available before. So I'm starting a mentoring program. Here's what it costs. You can touch that button and apply, hit submit, and I'm going to take the first 50 cohort in my cohort. And, and she would sell herself for what she's Val what she's valued at at that particular time so you don't have to undercut your pricing uh when you first start as a matter of fact by undercutting your pricing you are signaling to the market that you don't have a lot of value so i don't mind doing a promotion i normally charge a thousand i'm going to do it for 500 for the first five people that's fine that's a promotion i don't mind you bundling in other services well if you pay my thousand I'm going to throw in a couple of extra um, sessions at the end or a couple of extra products or a voucher. That's cool. But whatever your pricing is, whatever your market value and market rate is, establish it and stick to it. Yeah, yeah. And then 
how to differentiate our services from many other similar services from our competition if we are just entering the market with a new product? Well, so I heard two things there. I'll unpack them both. If I'm entering the mar market and if I have a new product, if I'm entering the market with a new product, there's a whole strategy to getting proof of concept and a go-to-market strategy. If you're entering the market and you have done this work or you understand your value and you're just providing your service under your name now, it's really not a new product and it's really not a new service. It's just, it's a new brand, right? So if I came out with a new automobile, automobiles aren't new. And if I was building automobiles at my last job, well, I might not, I mean, it's not even a new car. It's just my new car, right? And so you, when, when the smart car came out, the, uh, the smart car company wanted to understand the American market, and if they thought the American market would like what they what they had to offer. So what they did was they said, we will bring smart car to the U.S. if we have 30,000 pre-orders. And so before anyone drove a smart car, before anyone, um, anyone test drove a car, they had 30,000 deposits. And that's when they bought smart car to the United States, right? And so... There's a feeling like you have to go through this hazing process in order to gain market acceptance. You don't. You don't. If you have value, share what you do. If you did a very, if you, I'm sure you worked on high level projects or you managed a budget or you launched products or you headed, headed up a, a class, a world class team. You have a resume already that's transferable. The only difference now is the agreement under which the buyer and the seller operate before they used to buy from your company and you were the employee at the company now they're just buying from you directly tell them what you're worth i went through this whole thing when i started my consulting as well um i i started out i was a hundred dollars an hour i used to discount it down to 90 and i was constantly negotiating pricing constantly and my colleagues came to me and they said what are you doing and I said, well, I'm new in consulting. They said, well, the whole rest of the world doesn't know that. And they told me to immediately raise my pricing to $250 an hour. I was like, what? $250 an hour? Like, oh my God, you're kidding. So I did. And that's when, when I raised my rates to 250 at the time. This was over 20 years ago. $250 an hour in 2002? was like $500 an hour now. And I was a consultant for a cup of coffee. I was a consultant for like four hours, you know? And, um, but when I raised my rates, I realized that people accepted the fee and they negotiated with me less. And as soon as I got comfortable with it, the whole rest of the world was, I found out that the only one uncomfortable with my pricing was me. It was my problem, not theirs. And once I got comfortable with it, I mean, it took a while. Like I would say, I, I charge 250, you know, I, I was waiting for the objection and then it didn't come. And I was like, oh, I guess it's okay, you know? Yes, yes. I, I actually had the similar experience uh, when I raised my prices and I, as a communication coach and a TEDx coach, I started to, I, I moved, I raised my prices quite significantly at a certain point. And then people started negotiating less and they just said, okay. 
So I think that it is just a matter of finding of finding your client and your your ideal client. But also, I'm interested in uh, what what would you recommend to 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 our listeners on uh, differentiating yourself from the competition. So you're yes, you're listing everything that you've done, all your achievements, what you did before. You you are coming up with a good pricing from the very beginning, but there are some other people who are doing this already and they are doing it for several years or more. So what, how to differentiate yourself? Well, the, one of the quickest ways to differentiate yourself is to understand what the problems in your industry are, not leverage your features and advantages and benefits and your unique selling proposition. Everyone's saying that. Everyone is screaming that from their website and their social media. There's no differentiation there. Here's what I recommend. Write down the top five complaints about your industry. The top five things that your customers are complaining about working with people or with companies like yours. Oh, you're too expensive. You're too, you know, it's too time consuming. You don't start on time. You don't finish on time. You don't guarantee your work. Just take the top five complaints and roll that into your offering. In other words, guarantee to your customers that if you hire me, these five things will never happen to you or your money back. You will automatically differentiate yourself from 90% of your competitors overnight. When I started my first company, I learned this in my second year. My first year, I would show up to a, I would show up to a, um, a property and I would go to give a proposal. And um, and the the prospect would complain. Oh, you know the other contractors I I tried to call never called me back, and this one didn't respond, and this one never gave me a proposal, and they didn't start on time. And you're only here because the last one screwed up. And I just took the top five things that they complained about. You don't start on time. You don't finish on time. You don't stick to your pricing. Meaning, you give us a price and then you change it. Um, there's no professional management on site, and you got and you don't stand behind your work. So with every project going forward, I offered an option. There was the standard pricing, which I called the standard. I know, clever. And then there was the guarantee option, which I called, wait for it, the guarantee. And I put a 35% premium on the guarantee option. And I guaranteed I would start on, on the date we agreed. I would finish on the date we agreed, no matter what the weather. It could rain every single day for the entire time. We're still going to work through the rain. We're going to get it done. We guaranteed all the plant material for a year. Uh, there would be no contractor-driven change orders, meaning if you didn't change the scope of work, I didn't change the, I didn't change the price. And there would be a senior project manager on every site, on every project. And I said, and and when people said like, "Wow, you, wow, you would guarantee that?" I would say, "Yeah." And I'd say, "There's two prices. My average sale was fifty thousand dollars." So the average standard was fifty thousand. The average guarantee was about sixty-seven thousand five hundred dollars, and the I could tell you the guarantee outsold the standard two to one. Two to one. Oh, wow. Because there was nobody else guaranteeing the work. There was nobody else guaranteeing the start time. Nobody else was guaranteeing the finish time, and nobody, and I mean nobody, was saying they wouldn't initiate a change order. Yeah, but money so, back policy is, is a little bit risky because yeah, something can happen and then you cannot 
guarantee everything 100%, right? Right. But the amount of times you will give a refund is like one out of 20. And 19 of those times you will have been paid 35% premium and not have to give any money back. One time you might have to give money back. So the 19 paid for the 20th. Yeah. And you're yeah. only giving money back if you screw up. So if you don't, if you're not confident in your ability to fulfill, then yeah, you're going to be nervous about this. But for the most part, shouldn't have to be. Yeah, yeah. Great, Carl. Thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you shared with our listeners. So to sum up everything we discussed, what would be your top tips for the entrepreneurs or future entrepreneurs listening to us? Understand. First tip is you have to understand your sales pipeline. In other words, you have to be willing to market, network, do do ad online ads. You have to have a marketing campaigns multiple, and we suggest five simultaneous lead generation activities to make sure that one or two are always functioning well for you. You have to do that, and you have to always be selling, right? In this, in business, it is a race, like a race, okay? And if you, you know, I understand the idea that you might want to lay back in your business. I have seen that as a recipe for disaster and that you're going to work a lot harder than you have to. In the beginning of the launch of your business, you have a unique opportunity to build a foundation of sales and marketing that you'll never have the opportunity later once you get clients because you won't have the time. Take full advantage of that opportunity. Market yourself, network, sell your products and services, get up to that critical mass, and then you can set where exactly you want the business to go. That would be my tip right now. You will yeah. get started. We've helped, we've helped over 7,000 businesses launch. And so we know this field very, very well. And, um, and so be, be careful. There's a very specific way to do it and do it well. And then there's ways that you'll get punished if you don't, if you don't uh, follow through on. Yeah, yeah. Great advice, Carl. Thank you so much. So if our listeners want to, to ask more questions about this, maybe work with you, where can they find you? Well, you can go to my website, carl360.com. So C-A-R-L. 360.com uh everything there any way to contact me through social media send me a text a little qr code you can get my new book Ob the obnoxious offer all of that is available through there that's the best way to reach me perfect perfect thank you so much carl it was a pleasure talking to you thank you so much for being on ideas and leaders oh thank you for having me thank you for listening to ideas and leaders podcast did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag ideas and leaders. See you in the next episode.